Turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. This morning we're getting back into our study through the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to be looking today at a study I've titled The Conspiracy Before the Completion. The Conspiracy Before the complete the Completion might or my, our, not just mine. Uh, our main text is Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 16. We're not going to make it through the entire chapter this morning. But for some context, as we uh, took a, a break from our study last week to, to focus on the sanctity of, of life, two weeks ago when we studied chapter 5, we, we found that the problem that the Jewish people faced in Jerusalem was not just opposition from the outside, from the enemies of the Jews who surrounded them in the neighboring nations, but also oppression taking place on the inside from their fellow Jew. And so we saw the outcry of the people who were being taken advantage of by those who were violating God's command in the Mosaic law, were giving loans but charging interest to those who were basically coming to a place where they were going to starve. They needed help. But these people who were maybe more wealthy and were giving loans but charging the interest, which again was illegal according to God's law, these people were adding to the already burdened state of many there in Jerusalem. We saw how Nehemiah confronted that problem. He called the people out who were behind the oppression and how the oppressors responded with humility and repentance and how the people of Jerusalem praised the Lord when they heard the commitments that were made even before anything had actually changed outwardly in their circumstances. And then in the final verses of that chapter, we saw Nehemiah's journal entry where Nehemiah, between him and the Lord, wanted God to know that the things he did were because of his fear of the Lord, his love for the Lord. That it was his fear of, his love for the Lord that kept him from overburdening the people, that caused him to live differently than others, the, the governors before him who, who did burden the people. And, and that it was because of his fear of the Lord that he generously provided food for many at his own table. And Nehemiah set that example of care and generosity. He wanted to lift burdens from people instead of add to them. A great heart. I think a good heart for every single one of us to have. Lord, I don't want to be someone who adds burdens. I want to be someone who lifts burdens. Because there's enough burdened people all around us. Some of you are those people this morning. Like, I don't need another burden. I came in here feeling weighed down by like 200 pounds of care. All the stuff you have going on at home. Health issues and relational problems and financial struggles and all these things. And you bring them here. It's a great place to bring them because we can then bring them to the Lord together. Amen. But we don't need to add to the burdens. Lord, make us be people that help lift burdens. Nehemiah did that. Not doing the things he did to be remembered or praised by people, but, but doing it for the Lord. And, and again, just a powerful example, not just in his day, but also for us still today. And so with that context in mind, let's get into chapter 6 and read verses 1 through 2. Really, verses 1 through 9 are going to be following sort of the same track of a, of a conspiracy that's going to come against Nehemiah. But verses 1 and 2, uh, verse 1, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the, that time I had not hung the doors in the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. You know, if I was Nehemiah in this uh, portion, or maybe our encouragement, if we were like Nehemiah's friend in the day, we'd be like, oh, they're telling you to 
meet them in the plain of Ono, just tell them, ah, heck no! I just, that came into my head. I took it out of my notes, but then now I should have just left it out, but... <laughs> when all the enemies heard about the wall being rebuilt, not having any breaks left in it, though the gates hadn't been hung yet, the enemy who had tried and failed in many previous attempts to stop the Jewish people from continuing the work on the walls, they shifted their focus away from the rest of the Jewish people and focused on just one Jewish person, the governor. Nehemiah, as things were so close to being completed, the enemy didn't go, oh man, it's just, it's too late, it's, it's pretty much done, like, let's just give up. <laughs> the enemy's like, let's keep going. And again, like, as we, I feel like there's just this ongoing reminder for us through the book of Nehemiah, these spiritual principles, these spiritual pictures that are painted for us. These things are painting a greater spiritual truth for us that, that our spiritual enemy, if not more so, does the same exact thing. There's not a point where like, oh man, like, you know what? That, the Lord finally brought something to, to fruition in that person's life. Like we failed in trying to thwart what God was wanting to do in that believer's life. Like, oh, like forget about it. It's like after the victory, there's still a battle. I, in one of the commentaries I was reading, it was like, there's the, this common sort of thing that was, was coming up, which was like, sometimes our, our greatest battles are the ones that come after a, a moment of victory. Because we, we feel like, finally I can let my guard down. Finally I could take a deep breath and I don't have to worry about opposition or Oppression, it's like, no, the enemy at that moment is still wanting to come in and distract and disrupt and divide and destroy. Things were so close to being completed. And here the enemy is ramping up their efforts. They come up with a secret plan to do harm to Nehemiah, thinking that if they can get Nehemiah away from Jerusalem, away from the protection of God's people, they could harm him, take him out of the game, cause the rest of the people to become fearful and give up the work and never complete it. So Sanballat and Geshem sent a messenger to Nehemiah. They urged him to come meet with them among the villages of the plain of Ono. Now, geographically, Ono is about 25 miles northwest of Jerusalem near the border of Samaria. And as a reminder, Samaria was the region that Sanballat was the governor of. Like, let's get you away from your place of protection, your place of authority. Let's, let's try to get you as close to the enemy as possible so that we have a greater opportunity to really mess him up. And, and again, the, the spiritual principles that we might find that come out of some of these things, the enemy will do the same thing with you and me. Let's, let's get them out of the fold. Let's get them out of fellowship. Let's get them out of the authority of God's word. Let's get them closer to, to where we have an ability to come in and, and, and harm them spiritually. And how many of us have maybe seen that in our own lives or maybe in the life of another believer where maybe for a time in our own lives we got out of God's word or we got out of fellowship and those were not moments of greater spiritual strength and stability for you and me. I guarantee none of us can look back and go, man, I was stronger than ever when I wasn't going to church and I stopped reading the Bible and I wasn't really praying. Like, I was more vulnerable than ever. And the enemy knows that. Nehemiah's enemy knew that here. But it's important to note the discernment that Nehemiah displayed here and will continue to display in this chapter and throughout this book. Nehemiah, with discernment, understood 
what they were really trying to do, that this was not a friendly invitation. This wasn't a vacation for Nehemiah. Come to Ono. Nice little villages. Put you up in a nice little Airbnb thing. We'll talk. We'll reconcile. We'll work things out. Now he had discernment to know they were seeking to do him harm. We badly need discernment as believers. Discernment to recognize what isn't of the Lord or from the Lord. Spiritual deception and warfare, false teachers and teachings. And even things that may be good things that we could say yes to, but aren't the things God is wanting us to spend our time on. And we also need discernment to recognize what is of the Lord and from the Lord. To see the good the Lord is doing even in difficult or bad situations and seasons of life. To know who to surround ourselves with who will be godly and good influences in our lives. To know what the Lord's will is in a situation and to take steps of faith in things that God is putting before us and wanting us to move forward in. See, discernment is not just so we could go, that's bad, that's wrong, that's the enemy. There's, there's a good side of that discernment where it's like, Lord, I can see that you're in this. That, that thing that was shared, that was from you. This, this door is a door that you're opening. Lord, you're giving me discernment to recognize what that is in my life. I, I like what David Gutzik said about how we can develop discernment as he commented on this section of Nehemiah. Just real, real simple, but he wrote this. He said, how can we develop discernment? He said, first, if you want to see things as God sees them, get to know his word. Get to know his word. Second, he says, develop spiritual maturity. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says that discernment is something spiritual babies don't have. He says a baby will stick anything in his mouth. Not very discerning, right? But then third, he says, discernment can be given as a gift from the Holy Spirit. He references 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And he ends by saying, seek him for it. So simple, but such a good word for every one of us as, again, discernment is so badly needed in order for us to walk wisely in these dark days. But let's, let's keep going. Verse 3. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times and I answered them in the same manner. Then Sanballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. And you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying, there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king, so come, therefore, and let us consult together. You know, it might not be completely apparent, like, just, you know, as we, as we read this, but how badly did Nehemiah not just need discernment, but need endurance? Four times. Four times of getting the same message. Four times of the... And, and, and Nehemiah is discerning enough to know they're trying to harm me. Four times as he's going, they're trying to harm me, but they're sending me these... But they want me to come to Ono. They want to kill me. And, and, four, times having, and four times having to send the, a message back to them saying, I'm not, I'm not coming. And then the fifth time for this open letter to come and, and you know, as we, as we think about this, a letter being sent to an official um, governor under the, uh, uh, under the authority of the Persian Empire, this would have been a wrong thing to do, to send a letter 
not sealed. It would have been a sealed letter that would have been brought to him. This was an intentional move by Sanballat and Geshem to leave the scroll open so that others could potentially hear these made-up rumors about Nehemiah so that the rest of the people would start to be influenced by the lies of the enemy to believe things about Nehemiah that clearly were not true. You imagine like the four times could have been like, you're just frustrated, like, what, what is happening? A fourth one? I already told you three other times I'm not coming. And then now a fifth time and it's open and you know that potentially other people have read these lies. Like, how discouraging that could have been for Nehemiah. How frustrating this could have been for Nehemiah. That Nehemiah was needing the Lord to build endurance into his life to not just lose it. Because hasn't Nehemiah worked so hard to be a man of integrity? If anything, all of Nehemiah's uh, desire has been, yes, to honor God, but then to also honor the king of Persia. And, And now he's being made out to look as this guy who's trying to revolt against the the king of Persia, against the the Persian empire, and set himself up as a self-proclaimed king of Judah. Like, if we were in Nehemiah's shoes, we could just be like, what was the point? Why did I try to do all the right things? These people are still lying about me. They're trying to get everybody else that I've been serving and giving generously at my table like I'm feeding, I'm giving of my own resources, I'm, I'm seeking to be a burden lifter and, and none of it really, it mad, none of it mattered. Any one of us in Nehemiah's shoes could have felt that way in that moment. And the truth is you and I deal with things that They come at us and sometimes they just keep coming and they keep coming and it's so hard to just keep going. Like we just, it's the hardest thing maybe even just that day to just get out of bed and to to keep trying to honor the Lord with your life when stuff just doesn't seem to be going your way. The opposition has not been removed. It's still there. Just changed. Just a different tactic. People lying about you. Man, how badly do... And, and maybe it's not that extreme for us. For, for some, it might be. But to, to look from Nehemiah's perspective and know God has endurance for you and me. To just keep going, to just keep waking up, keep seeking, Lord, okay, today I want to honor you. Lord, help me to persevere and to trust you and and just to live for you even though it's really hard, Lord. You know the Lord can handle your honesty with him? Every psalm, almost the entirety of the psalms is that. This stinks! It's hard, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, and there's enemies, and they're trying to kill me, and I'm on the run. People hate me, my son hates me, in David's case. My son's against me, he snatched the kingdom away from me. Like, Lord, where are you? God can handle all of that. You and I miss out on the endurance part of it when we, when we think like, well, I'll just keep trying to handle it myself. And God's like, no, you can't handle it. Bring it to me. I'll help you handle it. I may not remove it, but I'll help you to keep going. And I'll be there. And I'll give you strength. Side, side emphasis. Not a side emphasis, it's a a primary emphasis. But I want us to understand here right away as we 
look at the, even the beginning portion of this in verse 3. That, that Nehemiah does not have an inflated view of his part in this when he says in verse 3, I'm doing a great work. What about the rest of the people, Nehemiah? Like, I'm doing, a, I'm pretty important. That's not what he's saying here. What Nehemiah is saying is, look, the thing I'm involved in here, this work of rebuilding is so big and so important, I can't allow anything to get in the way of it being stopped. He's not going, look at how great I am. Look at this great work that I'm spearheading. He's going, this thing that I get to be a part of is so crucial. And I can't, I can't stop it. And Nehemiah knew that if he did come to meet with the enemy, that the work being completed would be threatened. But regardless of Nehemiah's message, Sanballat and Geshem wouldn't take no for an answer. They continued sending him that same message again four times. After the fourth time, in verses 5 through 7, we see Sanballat elevate his tactic, sent his servant a fifth time. This open letter, again, full of lies, these lies that would incriminate Nehemiah falsely as a leader of a Jewish rebellion against the Persian Empire, trying to make himself to be the king. Even going as far as saying that Nehemiah had appointed prophets to proclaim him as the king of the Jews. And then Sanballat trying to blackmail Nehemiah with these lies as he threatened to report these false accusations to King Artaxerxes in Persia. And what a manipulative sort of move there at the end by saying, so come therefore and let us consult together. You know, I want us to understand here that this sort of tactic by the enemy had worked in stopping the Jews in their work of rebuilding the temple many, many years earlier. We see this in the account Ezra gives us in Ezra chapter 4, if you want to check that out on your own this week. And even in Ezra chapters 5 and 6, which show how the work on the temple finally resumed as God raised up a couple of prophets, but the prophet Haggai and the prophet Zechariah to go and prophesy to the people and, and encourage them to get back to the work of the temple after you know the 16-some years or so that the work had halted. But what we find is that false information being sent to the king by letter from enemies to paint the Jewish people and their work of rebuilding in a bad light had been successful in stopping the work in the past. And if it had worked in the past, there was the potential that it could work again in the situation that Nehemiah was facing now at this moment as he received this letter. Nehemiah would have known full well what had happened many years earlier with this same sort of tactic being employed. This, this is another moment for Nehemiah that could have been a moment of panic. Not only lying about me, but this sort of thing's worked before. But let's see how Nehemiah responds in verses 8 and 9 to this fifth and most disturbing letter he received. Verse 8, Then I sent to him, saying, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. You know, maybe you've seen this to be true in your own life, that the successful attacks of the enemy in the past can cause us to feel that the enemy will be successful again in the present. It, and may even make us feel like we have no protection or ability to keep the enemy from winning again in a certain area in our lives because of whatever past failures that we've dealt with. I want us to know this, that past failures where maybe we've given in to the temptation or the attacks of the enemy do not mean that you and I cannot have present victory in the Lord. 
Just because you have not had victory in the past does not mean that you cannot have victory in the present. And I, I think we need to be reminded of that. I know I needed that for so many years in my life, in my younger years, struggling, always, seek, always failing. Like I just could never gain victory. It was like victory was that elusive carrot on a string being dangled in front of my face that just always was, was moving just outside of my grasp. I couldn't ever get to it because it kept moving with me as I moved. And in those moments, if you have been like me, you can feel like, well, it hasn't happened, so it's not going to happen. But when Jesus says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that wasn't like, so I'll give you freedom from the penalty of sin, but like, you're still going to be subject to living in bondage to, to sin for the rest of your life. No, that's not at all the kind of freedom that Jesus spoke about. He was speaking of total, complete freedom where, where sin does not have power over us any longer. Will you and I sin? Yeah, we will because there's times where we give in to our flesh, for sure. But we don't have to. We don't have to. We have the power of the Spirit of God to say no to temptation. To be able to resist the devil and have him flee from us. And, and I want anyone here to know, if that's you and you're feeling like, man, I haven't, so I'm never gonna. That that is a lie from the pit of hell. That's not the Lord's word to you. That is Satan's word to you. Because God is going, I want you to be free. Free. And that freedom is not elusive. That freedom is found oftentimes, I found in my own life, in the place of surrender and real brokenness before the Lord over my own sin. And God does something there. And we need people in our lives who can speak from a place of, of victory, of seeing God do something radical, to be able to look at other people and go, if God did that with me, he can do it with you. But listen, we, we learn some things from how Nehemiah responds in the first part of verse 8. Notice, Nehemiah doesn't look back and stew on how the enemy won for a season many years earlier with the previous generation there in Jerusalem, and then let that bring him to a place of feeling overwhelmed or discouraged or defeated. No, instead he addressed the enemy's lies and was unwilling to receive any of it, even for a moment. Nehemiah responded to Sanballat's letter, No such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. What is Nehemiah saying? You're a liar. You invented these things. You're out of your mind. None of that's true. Nehemiah focused on what was true. None of the things Sanballat accused Nehemiah of were true, and Nehemiah was not willing to entertain the enemy's lies even for a moment. Nehemiah just says, none of what you said was true. You're, you're making it all up in your head, and that was it. That was all the time Nehemiah was going to give to the enemy's fear tactics and lies and blackmail. Nehemiah responded to what was not true with what was true. And, and we need to do the same things today with whatever lies our spiritual enemy tries to speak to us. False accusations the enemy tries to bring against us. Don't entertain the enemy. Don't get into some dialogue with the enemy. Just stand on the truth of God's word. Pray and give those things to the Lord and keep moving 
forward. Because the enemy just wants you to bog down and, and, and just kind of like, you're just, you, you can't even move forward because you're just thinking about all these things that aren't true. That now you're like wrestling with in your mind. Nehemiah knew that their enemies were all just trying to make him and the rest of the Jewish people afraid. But he also knew that the enemy knew how close they were to completing the work of rebuilding. So while the enemy was using that old but still very much effective tactic of fear to try and weaken the people and cause the work to stop, in a sense, the enemy was afraid that they would lose their power over the Jewish people if the Jews finished this rebuilding effort and regained their stability and strength as a people. And for us, our spiritual enemy does not want to lose any power or influence in our lives, does not wanna, doesn't want us in a place of spiritual stability and strength in the Lord, doesn't want gaps being closed up, doesn't want access points that the enemy has used to come in and attack through being blocked by our spiritual wall, our strength, our spiritual health being built up. And not only does our spiritual enemy not want to lose power or influence or access points into our lives to attack, the devil and the demonic realm know that our spiritual strength and help and stability in the Lord is only going to lead us to living even more effectively and radically for Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Which will only mean the enemy's territory being invaded and the enemy's captives, lost people being rescued as they come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through our witness. The enemy isn't looking at us and just going like, yeah, like I just want you to be unhealthy spiritually. He's going, if you're healthy, you're really going to be living for Jesus. Those walls are built up and there's stability and strength and you're you're, you're standing firmly upon the truth of God's word. You're confident about who the Lord is, who you are in the Lord, what the Lord's called you to. The enemy knows what that progression of confidence and strength and stability and health is going to lead to. And it's going to lead to people in darkness being brought out of the darkness because you and I, as, as the light that Jesus has left in this world, are going to be going out and being the light to those who are in darkness. So that they go, oh my gosh, I've been living in darkness this whole time. I didn't even realize it. I want what you have. I want the Jesus that you have. And man, Nehemiah's prayer in verse 9, it's such a great prayer for us to pray. Just a quick little prayer here. Now, therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Lord, the enemy wants to weaken my hands, wants to weaken my witness, weaken me spiritually, cause me to not fully live for Jesus or be fully committed to the work of Jesus' kingdom and commission. And the enemy wants the work of Jesus' kingdom but stop, to stop. But God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen those areas that are weak so that they're not weak any longer. Strengthen, Lord, my witness. Strengthen me spiritually in Christ so that I can live fully for Jesus and be fully committed to the work, the kingdom, the commission of Jesus. I believe the Lord loves that sort of prayer because that prayer is in line with the word and will of God and honors the heart of God. So we've seen sort of the first dynamic of conspiracy that was going on, but really it went even deeper than that, as we see in verses 10 through 14. And this conspiracy involving some so-called prophets of Jerusalem. Let's read verses 10 through 13. Verse 10, Afterward I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, the son of Mehedabel, who was a secret informer, 
And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I who would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. It's not, com- it's not clear why Nehemiah went to Shemaiah's house, but what is clear is that Nehemiah did not know at the time that Shemaiah was a secret informer for the enemy. But here we find another tactic being employed by the enemy, using one of the Jews in Jerusalem as a secret informer, someone on the inside who could supply information to the enemy on the outside and help carry out the enemy's plans on the inside. That The plan which unfolds here is that Shemaiah's job was to try and get Nehemiah to disobey God, to sin by going where he was not allowed to go, into the temple, where he would go inside and shut the doors. And the temple was an area where only the priests were allowed to go. In fact, when you would come to the temple area, as far as someone who was not of the tribe of Levi, who was a Levite or a priest serving there in the temple courtyard or in the temple, the farthest that you and I, let's say, in in that sort of sense, the layperson could go, was the altar which was near the door, the, uh, sorry, the, the door or the court entrance. That's it. You could come, bring your sacrifice, make that, but that was it. You weren't going to the bronze laver to get washed. You weren't going into the temple to burn incense or, or take care of the table of showbread. And none of that. That was it. And Shemaiah tried to reinforce why this was an acceptable thing by telling Nehemiah that the enemy was going to kill him, literally murder him, that indeed at night they would murder him, twice emphasized. So Shemaiah, who is this prophet, he should be a, he's, he's like the godly person, he's the person that if you're going to get advice, you would maybe go to Shemaiah to receive some sort of word from the Lord. And you know what Shemaiah does? He puts self-preservation on a higher plane than obedience to God. But, But we need to know this. There's never going to be a time, ever, 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 where obedience to the Lord is not the right choice, even if it costs us our lives. There's never gonna be a time where obedience is not the right choice. The right thing is always to obey the Lord over man. Nehemiah wasn't willing to flee, to escape. He knew, God brought me here to do this work. I can't sin against him. Like, who do you think I am? Like, this is what my whole life is about. Like, I can't do that. But then in verse 12, we see that Nehemiah perceived, he discerned that God had not sent Shemaiah at all, but that this was a false prophecy he pronounced because he had been hired by Tobiah and Sanballat. How did he know the prophecy was false, that Shemaiah was not sent by God? Well, Nehemiah knew something that we all have to know and keep in mind, that God will never contradict his word. He'll never contradict his word. If he contradicts his word, you know what happens? His word is no longer true. The Holy Spirit of God, because sometimes people will go, well, you know, I just felt led by the Spirit to do this. And it's like, I don't know what spirit it was, but it was not the Spirit of God. If, it's, if the Spirit of God is leading you to do something that the Bible says is not of God, Sin, it's not the Spirit of God, because the Holy Spirit of God will always lead us to live in line with the Word of God and will never lead us into sin or disobedience to the Lord's Word. 
the enemy knew they couldn't draw Nehemiah out of Jerusalem to do him harm, so they, they hired some from within to give a lying prophecy to try and get Nehemiah to become afraid. And in his fear, hopefully, this was their hope, to do something that would cause him to sin so that they could have some dirt on Nehemiah to bring a bad report about him and, and, and really ruin his reputation and discredit him in the eyes of the Jewish people. And so that they could have something on Nehemiah to, to, to mock him about. But look at how Nehemiah responded in verse 14. Verse 14 says, My God, remember Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these their works, and the prophetess Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. We're not even going to get through to verse 16 this morning. We were going to revisit those verses next week anyway, so we'll just save that part. But we, we see Nehemiah praying again. Because he was a man of prayer. He was a man who was dependent upon his God. He was a man who knew his God. Guys, that has to be us. That needs to be us. This time, Nehemiah asked the Lord, remember the evil works of those who have conspired and tried to make him afraid. And we find in the people he listed that it wasn't just Tobiah and Sanballat and Shemaiah, but that a prophetess named Noadiah and the rest of the prophets were in on this conspiracy too. So this prophetess and the rest of the prophets Nehemiah has in mind here should have been encouraging him in the Lord, but instead they were just trying to make him afraid and really just frustrate the work of the Lord. Guys, we're going to have all kinds of people that try to speak into our lives. And sometimes those people, we think, oh man, this is the person who should be encouraging me. This, is, this person I thought was godly. I thought that they were a, a man or woman of God and thought that they knew the, the, the word. And, you know, I thought if I went to them that they could give me some good advice, some godly counsel. But you know what we find sometimes is it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes what we find is like a, we have like a Noadiah and some, some, Shema, uh, some Shemaiahs in our lives where we're like, you're not encouraging me in the Lord at all. You're not sent by the Lord. The things that you gave me were not from the Lord because they're not lining up with his word. Like, what is happening? And, and even that can discourage us. Like, wait, I thought I had these people in my life that I could listen to and receive from, these, <laughs> these spiritual people in my life. And it's like, look, people are going to fail. But the word of God is going to endure forever. You go to God's word, he's got the encouragement that you and I need. He's got the strength that we need. We can go to the Lord and, and say, Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, give me endurance. Keep me going. And I love that Nehemiah's example here as he brought his enemies to the Lord in prayer. I love this. He just leaves them there with the Lord. Lord, here's this person. He names them. Here's Noadiah. Here's the Lord. I'm just gonna, I'm just giving them to you, Lord. He doesn't ask for vengeance. He's not like, Lord, just give me the opportunity to just crush them, Lord. I just want to be like, well, just I'll take care of them for you, Lord. He's just like, Lord, I can't do it. Lord, can you just handle them? Lord, just handle them. Would you just handle them, Lord? He just trusted the Lord. That the Lord saw what they did and the Lord would deal with them. And guys, you know what Nehemiah was finding to be true? Was the thing that he told the people that God would do. In chapter 4, our God will fight for us. That's what he told the people. Nehemiah told the people, our God will fight for us. And you know what they saw in that situation? He did. The enemy didn't come in and attack. They, we were able to keep building and defending. And you know what Nehemiah is going to find here? The enemy's not going to win. God would fight for him. And these things just reinforce to us as the worship team comes back up that, man, the same is true for you and me. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The enemy is not more powerful than God. The enemy is not on the same playing field as God. 
not equals. Satan and Jesus are not equals. Jesus is the creator. Satan, Lucifer, is a created being who is already, his judgment has already been concretely settled for us in the word of God. He is going to be in the lake of fire for all eternity. God's got it. And maybe for us this morning, we need to be reminded God's got us. God sees the things that we're going through. And maybe for some of us, we're in that place where it's like, Lord, I need endurance. Lord, I need discernment. God, I need you to strengthen my hands. And Lord, I need you to take care of these things that are just way too big for me, God. God, I just put them in your hands. I put these people, I put this situation, I put this health crisis, I put this financial burden, I put all this uncertainty, Lord. I put all of it into your hands, God. You see it, Lord, would you work it out? And just to trust him. And, and maybe for some of us this morning, you're going like, that's me. <laughs> I'm in that place. And if that is you, would you just stand? Because I want to pray for you this morning. I know, we, I know I'm always asking people to stand. That's not something I do every week. But if that's you and you're just going, you know what? I need endurance. I need some discernment. I need strength. I've got things I'm facing that are just too big. And I'm having a hard time giving those things over to the Lord and letting him just deal with them. If that's you, just stand. I just want to pray for you. You're not unspiritual if you stand. Nehemiah was not an unspiritual man because he said, Lord, strengthen my hands. Anybody else? Awesome. Lord, I pray for my friends this morning, Lord. These that are standing, God, you see each one. Lord, you love them. God, you've not forsaken them or abandoned them. God, you have wisdom and discernment for them. God, you want to be their comforter. You want to be their strength. Lord, you want to be their closest friend. And God, you will fight for them. God, you know the things that they're facing. Lord, you know the endurance that's needed, the strength, the strengthening of the hands that's needed, Lord God. God, you know the discouragement, maybe, that some are facing. Lord, maybe it's a, a long-standing illness or some other issue, Lord. It's just, maybe it's just an issue that's been going on for a long time. God, you see that thing, Lord. God, would you strengthen their hands today? God, would you beat back the enemy, Lord? Drive the enemy far from them. Protect them, Lord God. Be their shield and their refuge and their help. And God, those things that they're facing that maybe have been hard to give over to you, to trust you with, Lord. Or maybe, God, the enemies that they're facing, Lord, it's, maybe it's not a physical enemy. Maybe it's not even essentially a, a spiritual enemy. Maybe it's just some real difficulties that they're they're facing in their lives that God they'd be able to give those things over to you and trust Lord that you are working and so God would you meet each one today Lord would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon them fill them Lord afresh and anew Lord God would they just have a fresh sense Lord that you are with them God that you are going to continue to be with them and Lord that you got them and so, God, would you just bless each one, Lord, be working in all these situations, Lord God. Bring victory to those who are struggling. Freedom, Lord, real freedom, Lord, for those that are struggling with bondage to anything, Lord. Lord, you break those things, God, we ask. And, Lord, we just ask for your help this morning. You guys can take a seat, Lord. Thank you for that. And God, if any, Lord, who maybe have joined us or have joined online, Lord, and they just need your salvation, Lord Jesus, the thing that they're facing, the most massive thing, Lord, the, the thing that you can easily deal with is what you provided through the cross of Calvary. That Jesus, you know, Lord, the sin issue that each one faces, Lord. None of us can stop sinning by our own strength, God. Lord, none of us can earn your forgiveness, God. Lord, that forgiveness, that salvation is only given as a free gift 
because Jesus, you bought it with the greatest price. It was your blood. And so if that's anybody this morning or maybe even someone online, you're going like, that's me. I, I need Jesus. I need his salvation. I need his forgiveness. You can't save yourself, but Jesus can save you. And if that's anybody this morning that you just stand where you're at and just go, that's me. Even if that's standing in your living room, if you're driving your car right now, don't stand. But Lord, would you meet each one, God, any that might be making that decision, maybe in their heart they're standing. I just encourage you, if that's you, that you just, in your own heart, just humble yourself before the Lord and just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I am a sinner and I need your salvation. I need your forgiveness. Jesus, please forgive me. Save me. Be my savior. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my friend. Help me, Lord, to follow you, to live for you all the days of my life. Father, would you seal me with your Holy Spirit? Would you fill me with your Spirit? Would you make me a child of God today? Jesus, I repent of my sin. And I put my trust in you, in your death, burial, and resurrection. So Jesus, would you save me? I give my life to you today. I just encourage you, if, you, if that's you, the Lord says you, you will be saved. He, can, he gives you promises. There's, you don't have to have wishful thinking surrounding your, the, your spiritual state or your, where you're going to spend eternity. And so, Lord, as we now just kind of shift gears a bit, Lord, as we go from listening to your word, sitting under the water of your word, God, would the things that you've poured into us pour out of us in praise, Lord? Would we worship you through these songs, Lord, because you're worthy? Lord, would we take advantage of opportunities to take communion and to be prayed for this morning? And, Lord, we just ask for you to continue to work. Lord, thank you that you will fight for us and you are even now. Lord, we trust you. Strengthen our hands even this week, Lord, to be those lights that you've called us to be in this world, Lord, to point others to Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.